Welcome back to the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast presented by Manscaped. I am glad to be joined by, I like to call her one of my very good friends. I actually talked about her on a podcast earlier this week talking about my history with the 49ers and one of the the first faces for myself to meet and really grow close to uh, covering this team. Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area. Jennifer, how are you doing in this like Weird time that we're in, waiting to hear some news, but not quite yet. How is this time of year going for you? It really is kind of like a time of limbo. Like the season hasn't really ended, but it ended a long time ago. But yet the new season hasn't started yet. So we're all just kind of hanging out, waiting for it all to get rolling. (laughs) (laughs) We're waiting, but we're coming up close, which is the perfect time and why I believe you are one of the perfect people to have on this specific podcast because we're entering into the time of free agency and you and I were talking I feel like you are very versed in this year's free agency for a number of reasons care to explain what you're working on <laughs> I just finished writing about 25 free agents that would fit with the 49ers ranging from steals to splurges out of 800 guys my task was to pick 25 it was quite an ordeal <laughs> Ooh, okay so this is perfect because i'm going to need a little bit of your knowledge and your wisdom on some of these free agents that could be potential fits with the 49ers and how they might fit with what this team is trying to do moving forward and some of those changes that are coming up but before we get into that it it's so crazy we're we're only in the month of march um Usually you and I, we're, we're in the combine. We're at the combine back in February. Uh, we're probably just now getting back, now starting to prep for free agency. Instead, there wasn't one this year, which is extremely unfortunate. But now as we're sitting back and we're kind of watching things unfold, you see certain signings happening, you're seeing certain trades happen. How would you describe this NFL offseason so far? I guess it's kind of similar to what last season was, other than the fact that, you know, we did get to go to the combine before everything kind of shut down. But it'll be interesting with, you know, pro days being virtual. We've got a list to follow. Each day is another school. So it's a lot to manage. It's, you know, I've got to write everything down. I've got a whole list of things to do. And each week I kind of have to cross-reference where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be listening to. It's it's much more challenging a task than having all those guys at one big event like the Combine. And I think what's more challenging for the teams is that all those medicals that get done at the Combine, I think that's kind of what gets overlooked is, is guys get sent through medicals of the combine and everybody goes through the same thing with the same doctors and to try and get all that information now from different pro days and different, I mean, no, there's no centralized testing facilities. So it's going to be interesting for teams to try and get all that information and get accurate information on guys that are coming out in the draft. Well, in this podcast, obviously we have to talk about free agency. And before I talk about what's going on within the 49ers own locker room. I want to talk about a free agent that actually recently hit the market. And that's a former 49ers wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders uh, was released by the new Orleans saints was just with the 49ers in 2019 during that super bowl run. Um, Looking at Emmanuel Sanders, not just the player, but also that veteran presence and that personality. What did he bring from what you saw to this locker room. And when I ask this, I say this because 2019 was a great year. We could be in the locker room. We got to witness the interaction between the guys. So it was a little different last year, but from looking back to 2019, what did you see uh, that Sanders brought to this team? 
His effect on the locker room was immediate. You know, it's a really young, enthusiastic, wide receivers room. And while Emmanuel Sanders is a veteran, he still is very, like, he likes to dance around with the young guys. That group's production just improved exponentially. You look at Kendrick Bourne and Debo Samuel. When Emmanuel Sanders came in in week 10, their production went up incredibly. They seemed more locked in. And part of it, of course, is that, you know, for Debo, it was kind of that rookie growth pattern, just the learning curve. But really, Emmanuel Sanders brought experience and knowledge and his adaptability when he came into a system that he hadn't played in before. He really showed them how to work as a professional and it really rubbed off. Those guys in their Super Bowl run that second half of the season really were productive. You look at Debo Samuel's growth and his production was so much better after Sanders got into the locker room. So that's someone that I know Kyle Shanahan was really disappointed to let go back when they had to, you know, back in when they couldn't retain him for 2020, the Saints paid him a ton of money, way out of what the Niners' price range would have been. And now that he's been released, maybe he would be an affordable option. I'm sure Shanahan, of course, is at least thinking about it because I know he's a big fan of Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan, it was obvious. He he talked about that uh, when he did leave for free agency. He also talked about it when the 49ers faced the Saints uh, last year, talking about uh, kind of reflecting on what, Sanders brought to the locker room and what kind of player he was. Um, so another, that's the guy that, you know, is on the market. Could he be an option for the 49ers uh, yet to tell? But as we're talking about free agency, I want to talk about in-house right now with the 49ers, a whopping 38 players when going into this offseason hitting the open market, having expiring contracts. 49ers are able to retain 11 of them, including Jeff Wilson Jr., Ross Dwelly, uh, Marcel Harris, to name a few. But looking at this long list of free agents that are coming available, what sticks out to you? Who sticks out to you? I mean, there's two at the top of my list to keep continuity and keep production on the offense, and that's Trent Williams and Kyle Juszczyk. You know, Daniel Jeremiah talked about it this week, saying that the left tackles coming out are good, but they're not like last year's. The 2020 class of left tackles that came out in the draft immediately stepped in and were game changers. There's really no one. I mean, there's two guys that are great. Rashawn Slater is one of the guys who he says is his top tackle, but really both him and Panay Sewell sat out of the 2020 season. So they've, they're a year out of football. Trent Williams brings athleticism. He can get out to the second level. He showed what he could do. Even, you know, he can take a year off of football, but a lot of other guys aren't able to. I think the learning curve for the young tackles coming out of the draft is going to be high and steep. And if you've got Trent Williams and then Kyle Juszczyk opening lanes for the running backs, that really sets Kyle Shanahan's offense open and really enables them to be a factor in the NFC West, which is a tough division just because of all the different players that have come to the NFC West recently. And they've got to have that consistency. And I think those two players are huge keys in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's that's what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. It's a run first offense. And those two players were key uh, in the 49ers success doing that. But what about on defense? Anybody stand out to you on defense? I think that Jason Verrett and Kwan Williams are the two guys that the 49ers want to hold on to. But, you know, you look at at 
Robert Sala going to the Jets. Kwan Williams is a New Jersey native. He might be lured to go out there. I'm not sure if the 49ers are going to have enough money to pay both of them, but if they could keep one of them, I think that would be good. Good thing is that in this year's draft class, there's a lot of good corners, especially in the first and second round. I know you asked Daniel Jeremiah about the two guys and that he likes the best. And, you know, they can get one of those guys with their top two picks. But if they could keep one of them, I think there's going to be a lot of new faces on the 49ers secondary and keeping at least one of those guys would be very key to, you know, continuity and leadership in the secondary, which I think is important. I want to go back to one of the the first names that you mentioned when it comes to players that are pretty essential for this team to return. There's been news around Jason Verrett over the weekend and his free agency decisions. And 49ers took last year another chance on him, re-signing him to a one-year deal. He had his most productive season since that 2015 Pro Bowl season after dealing with so many injuries throughout his career. We know that cornerback is an immediate need for the 49ers. With six set to hit free agency, including Akella Witherspoon, Emmanuel Sanders, you have Richard Sherman. Question coming from Mo wants to know what type of contract do you think that Verrett will get with his injury history and is a return to the 49ers a likely situation? I wouldn't say it's likely as long as they offer him an appropriate amount of money, then I'm sure he'd be willing to stay. I mean, I think he's, he's tweeted a few kind of, I don't know, maybe cryptic is a little bit strong, but he's tweeted some things about how, um, he has, you know, really kind of stuck to his guns and really faced adversity and, you know, persevered. And the fact that the 49ers are part of it and invested in him for a second year, you know, there is always, I think, a little bit of loyalty there for a guy who, to his team, who took a chance on him and they Mm -hmm. did, and they stuck with him and, you know, really got a lot out of him in his second contract, which was just really about a million dollars for one year, which is really a steal for a guy who, you know, was a first round pick. So uh, I think there's that, but if he can get more money somewhere else and still play on a team that is, you know, looking at a possible run in the postseason, I don't see why he wouldn't take that chance. But you know, I know he likes uh, being with the 49ers. He's liked the locker room, but you know, there's going to be quite a few different faces this year. So it, it depends on, um, you know, maybe who's on the other team. It's, it's interesting now. It's not something that used to happen where, you know, guys are recruiting other guys to go sign with their team because they want to mm-hmm. play with each other. It's, it's, you know, it happens in the NBA. It's now happening in the NFL. It's, it's kind of a different kind of environment. And, you know, so you never know what's going to happen. But I do know I did speak to his agent and the tweets weren't anything against uh, or having it wasn't anything that had to do with communication with the team. Um, everything's proceeding as normal. And they, you know, there's talks and whatnot going on heading towards free agency. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. And Jason Verrett, like I mentioned, isn't the only one. Another name is former 49ers third round pick, Akella Witherspoon, uh, heading towards free agency. What's your thoughts on Akello? and his return to the 49ers. Do you think that's an option the team might consider? 
I really don't think so. As much as he's been kind of up and down, he kind of came back and was doing better and then, you know, dealt with injury. And I don't think he ever really reached the caliber of play that the coaching staff really wanted to see from him. I think he kind of was up and down in his, uh, his, I think what they thought to be his efforts on the field and kind of his, uh, you know, his determination. And I think, unfortunately for him and and the 49ers, that this kind of, you know, experiment or run is is over for those two parties. Yeah. I'm going to jump to the other side of the ball. I know we talked about Trent Williams earlier, but I, I want to talk about the struggles the 49ers have had with availability on the O-line, namely center Weston Richburg. He missed the entire 2020 season with that torn patellar tendon and had another procedure as well. Um NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported last week that he's undergoing hip surgery and there's no timetable for his return. Uh, John Germany wants to know, with Weston's situation, do you think that they'll be looking to fill that void at left at uh, center in-house, free agency, or through the draft? Uh, I think that one of the options for them through free agency is Alex Mack. He has a ton of experience uh, on the line. He's a little bit older. He hasn't, he's not playing elite like he was maybe a few years ago, but he still is a very viable option. He would be affordable and he is familiar with Kyle Shanahan. I think they need to have at least three solid players that, have really good experience on the line and, you know, they've invested in Mike McGlinchey. If they get Trent Williams back, that is definitely a great thing for the offensive line. And then, you know, you really do need to have a solid center. Um, you know, we've at least the majority of your five have to be higher caliber players that, you know, have performed well in the past and not having that center spot really could create a weakness. And, you know, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, who's dealt with injuries. If he's the guy under center, you need to have protection for him because, Mm -hmm. you know, with what he's dealt with in the past, we saw what he was like after he came back from the ACL injury. And, you know, you're a little tentative. You don't want your ankle or your knee to get rolled up on again. And so having that extra protection there is just going to give him more confidence, which, you know, makes the offensive play better. So I think Alex Mack is a viable option. I think Corey Lindsley, who is a free agent who is, uh, you know, formerly with the Packers, I don't think they'll be able to keep him because they paid David Bakhtiari so much money, but I think he's out of the range of pay for the 49ers, but would be a really nice option to see there. I looking you well actually you, you brought up the name that that buzzworthy name, Jimmy Garoppolo, and we're gonna put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that name because I know a lot of people want to they have tons of questions about him, his status, and what's going to happen uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, but looking around the league, and this goes back to this work that you have been uh, working on, this this list of free agencies, scouring the league of fits uh, for the 49ers. But there's a number of free, agency, or free, free agents set to hit the open market on the 17th. Pat wants to know. Who do you say is the most enticing free agent on the market that's not currently on the 49ers roster? So now that you've looked across the league (laughs) and and I feel like you're like a free agency scholar now, (laughs) are there any names that stand out to you when you look at their talent and their ability? And maybe, maybe in this exercise, we don't have to think of cost, but who is someone that you think would be 
a great fit for what this team is trying to do? I think something that would be interesting, a guy that would be interesting for the 49ers just because of what he would be able to, what Kyle Shanahan would be able to do with him is Jamal Williams. You know, they've got Raheem Moster, they've got Jeff Wilson, but Jamal Williams is, has kind of been playing second fiddle to Aaron Jones at the Packers and he would be reasonably priced and he's a really good pass catcher. He also is a good route runner. Um, he caught 88% of his targets and also gained over seven yards after contact last year. So I think he would be an interesting choice to add to the backfield, you know, on a rotational basis. Raheem Mostert has a little bit of an injury history. You know, Jeff Wilson, I guess, you know, really the whole team did last year. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, when you look at Williams, he could add another kind of um, another type of running back to the 49ers offense, which might be interesting. And no one's really talking about adding a free agent running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy who uh, I think would kind of be a really inexpensive guy who might be interesting is Danny Amendola. Kyle Shanahan's never really had a true slot receiver. And you look at Wes Welker, who's the wide receivers coach, and you got to think, you know, Wes Welker, <laughs> I just think that he's like, man, if I were still playing what I would do in this offense and to give him someone like Danny Amendola, uh, you know, even though he's 35 and kind of, kind of at the end of his career, he's still been, you know, he's still played a ton of games. He's stayed healthy. And I think on a rotational basis, that's a guy who could offer leadership and talent and really could like be a fun kind of, you know, sounds awful, but a fun kind of piece or toy for Kyle Shanahan to use in the offense. So that would be kind of fun to see what they could do with both of those two players. Yeah, Danny Amendola also 49ers kind of, they're they're kind of missing a little bit of that veteran presence. I know they had that back in 2017 with the Pierre Garçon and Marcus Keith Goodwin. And then uh, 2019, you bring in Emmanuel Sanders. None of those pieces still there. You're I'm trying to think of who the oldest players are right now in that locker room uh, in the wide receiver group. But Trent Taylor, you talk about that slot player. He's headed into free agency. No word on that just as of yet. So that's an intriguing name that I have not heard yet um, with the potential tying to the 49ers. But it makes a lot of sense when you look at their wide receiver picture. And then going back to running back, uh, not many people talking much about the 49ers potentially grabbing someone in free agency. And you look at the running backs, we talked about the 49ers were able to resign Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, Raheem Mostert's on the roster. Uh, you have Jamichael Hasty, but you know, Tevin Coleman uh, currently uh, set to be a free agent. Jarek McKinnon, uh, same story goes for him. So two positions that I, I haven't really Heard much about, but could be intriguing uh, ads for the 49ers. Okay. Looking at this team and the potential free agents that they could be losing over the next few weeks, it's it's a pretty hefty list. And I haven't seen a list like that in a very long time. But Kyle Black wants to know, what do you think is the team's biggest need going into draft and free agency? I think always in the trenches and you look at what the 49ers done historically, they always invest in the defensive line. I think they need to do it in the offensive line as well. You know, with, uh, we haven't talked about D Ford not being able to play this coming season, which I think is a likely possibility. They're going to need to add someone on the other side to bookend Nick Bosa. 
And there are quite a few edge rushers in free agency, and there's some good ones in the draft as well. So I think they're going to go there at some point, you know, during the offseason. They have to get someone who will play opposite of Nick Bosa. Obviously, they have Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw in the center, but that's someone that they need to, you know, kind of add depth there, Uh, especially because you look at Kerry Hyder, who played so well last year on, again, a small contract, but I, I believe. Robert Sala will be luring him towards the East Coast. So uh, there's that. So I think both offensive line and defense line are priorities in free agency and in the draft for them. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. I love that you brought up Robert Sala. Um, it, you're, you're so quick to forget that, you know, I, the 49ers beloved defensive coordinator, now the head coach with the New York Jets. And I feel like a lot of these players really gravitated towards Sala, um, just his coaching style, his energy. And I, I believe that should some of these guys hit free agency, do you think that New York is probably one of those places at the top of their list to reunite with Salah? I think so. I think, you know, he changes the dynamic of the franchise a great deal. You know, I think the Jets have gotten a bad rap, but really they're not in a terrible situation over there now with with Robert Sala as the head coach. The GM is respected. I think they are in a rebuilding phase, but I think Robert Sala does his name and just his presence being out there really turns around the franchise. And, you know, there's less question of what direction they'll be going, what type of, you know, outlook they will have, what kind of, you know, attitude that will be there. So I think it really turns that franchise around just with him being there. All gas, no break, uh, extreme violence, some of the mantras that Robert Sala is likely to be bringing with him to New York. And then also one other thing is New York has some money. They have that cap space so to bring in some of these uh, free agents. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of these guys reuniting with Robert Sala, um, especially with the familiar- familiarity, um, the money situation, a-, a lot of those variables making a lot of sense. Okay, so Jennifer, we're going to wrap up this podcast uh, talking about the most intriguing figure on the 49ers roster, whose name I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, every time I log on to Twitter, I see his name trending. I don't know why. I don't know how. He stays to himself. He's a pretty quiet guy. But Jimmy Garoppolo, the the rumors continue to swirl about his future with the team and moves that the team could make. I feel like everyone believes that we are all internet GMs. And, you know, well, let's do this and move this and offer this. And you see it every single day. Uh, But we've heard... Kyle Shanahan, we've heard John Lynch, we've heard them stand pat on their stance on how they feel about Jimmy Garoppolo and his return to the team and how they see him returning to this roster and being on this roster in 2021. With everything that you've heard and that that you've seen, what do you make of all of this Jimmy Garoppolo news? And, and how do you believe the front office feels about that quarterback? Uh, you look at what 
the 49ers have available to them money-wise and the draft picks they have. And really the logical thing is that Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback in 2021. Uh, They don't have a lot of money to spend. They really have other needs on the roster. You look at Jimmy Garoppolo's performance and while he hasn't been available for a lot, a ton of games in his kind of, you know, multi-year era with the 49ers, when he's been available, he's been good. He took the team to the Super Bowl. So you really can't deny the fact that he is in the top 10, top 15 of all the quarterbacks in the league. And really, if you look at it, there there aren't that many guys who can do it all, that can carry a team on their back. There's maybe five or six. It's There's not many guys in the world that can do that job. And he does it well enough to take a team to the Super Bowl, which is saying quite a bit. So I just don't think that the 49ers can make a change there that's going to be one of the ones that, you know, has kind of sparked all the rumors across the interwebs, (laughs) per se, um, without breaking the bank and really harming the team in the long term in regards to other positions. So uh, I think I would say it's a high percentage chance that Jimmy Garoppolo stays. I think that what they should do is upgrade the the backup position because if you look at last year, everybody was still productive, but if you and if you didn't have the turnovers from the offense, they actually probably would have made the postseason and you know, very likely far into the postseason looking at the play of a lot of different teams. It's always a what if, but really Securing the ball was a huge issue for the 49ers last year. I think about it was that stat and it was a stretch and they had so many games in a row with at least three turnovers in the game. And it, I, my mind goes right back to that, that New Orleans game where I think coming out of the first quarter, it was 10 to zero. And you really felt this I feel like there was kind of like this fire under the team to prove the naysayers wrong. Uh, I think they were, they had that below 500 record and, and were playing relatively well, spe- specifically on defense. And it was just those turnovers continued to haunt that team. It was two muffed punts. And, you know, I, I feel like that was the 49ers demise in that game. But um, you, but you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. And another thing that comes to mind when you're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo is I think about how there's that narrative that Kyle, Kyle Shanahan has one of the most complex offenses in the league. And you have a guy who knows this offense, who has been here for multiple years now. Just how quickly do you think making a switch at quarterback, how quickly will that quarterback be able to adjust, be able to kind of build that rapport with this locker room. And I know these guys have a lot of respect for Jimmy. You hear them uh, in every interview they do. Kyle Juszczyk is steadily defending Jimmy Garoppolo, whether he's going into free agency or not. You always hear Kyle Juszczyk speaking highly of Jimmy. Same goes for your tight end, George Kittle. And that also, what kind of message is that giving to this team, you know, that your, your franchise quarterback, I'm using my air quotes, but <laughs> he leads this team to the Super Bowl, but still is expendable at the end of the day. So I think there's a lot that goes into uh, the team's decision to stick with Jimmy or to move on from Jimmy. And a lot of those variables, I do think, play a part. Culture is a big thing that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch continue to preach. And I think that's something that they want to continue to stand on, especially when bringing free agents here and, and getting this team to play for one collective goal. 
I agree with you. I think, you know, the one quarterback that I thought they might have a chance at getting was Matt Stafford because he wouldn't be as high of a, wouldn't have as high of a price tag as all the rest of the quarterbacks that are out there that are starting caliber. But obviously that didn't happen. He went to the Rams for an incredibly huge blockbuster trade. But I think the rest of the quarterbacks that are out there would just be too cost prohibitive. And like you said, I, you know, I think the locker room believes in Jimmy. I think, you know, it does send a message to the team that, you know, we're going to stand by our guy. And, you know, it, it's it's really important for players to believe in their franchise and believe in their front office in that way. And standing behind Jimmy Garoppolo really does send an important message to everybody. I have one last question for you, Jennifer, and I'm going to let you go. You brought up Matt Stafford, so I have to ask, what is the biggest threat to the 49ers that has happened so far this offseason? Is it the Rams trade for Matt Stafford, or is it the Cardinals acquiring J.J. Watt? Ooh, those are pretty big ones, and they're pretty evenly (laughs) matched on different sides of the ball. Um, I think, you know, if – the 49ers retain Trent Williams. I think that helps facing JJ Watt and uh, Nick Bosa being healthy will definitely help with uh, facing Matt Stafford, getting to him kind of, you know, making him off center off balance. Uh, So you've got two guys that really need to be on the roster and be healthy to kind of combat those uh, opponents. But, Man, both of those, the NFC West, you know, always looks just like the toughest division in the league. And both those players are going to make it even more so. I say it every year. I believe the NFC West is one of the toughest divisions in the league. I thought I said that last year when you saw DeAndre Hopkins coming to the Cardinals and uh, each team, I feel like steadily trying to to top the other team, making certain acquisitions and trades, but it's going to be an exciting off season, especially for the 49ers, what they decide to do with their large amount of free agents set to hit the open market on March 17th. And uh, hopefully we get some news soon reporting from uh, Jennifer Lee Chan from NBC Sports Bay Area, hopefully giving us some updates on what's coming down the pipeline when she hears it. But Jennifer, appreciate having you here on the podcast, answering some of these fan questions, giving us a little preview, uh, our free agent whiz, on uh, what's to come up in these next couple of weeks. But it was an absolute pleasure. And uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Always a pleasure talking to you, Kiana. Thanks for having me on. 